This is FaithCast, weekly messages from Victory Faith in Spokane, Washington. To stay connected with Victory Faith, visit victoryfaith.org where you can submit prayer requests and praise reports, sign up to receive weekly email updates, give online, and much, much more. Consider joining us for our live stream online Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at victoryfaith.org slash live. Now, on to the message. All right. Amen. Amen. Man, what a powerful morning it's been so far. Why not you turn to your neighbor and say, I am ready. Come on, say it like you mean it. I am ready to hear something fresh from the Holy Spirit. Come on. That's what we need, right? We, we need fresh encounter. We need fresh word from God. We need something uh, for today to speak to us right where we're at. And that's what I'm believing. I'm believing that as I preach to myself this morning and you listen on in, that you'll be encouraged yourself and you'll be inspired and you'll be challenged as well. Here's a question I have for you. How, how well do you do with instructions? You know, when someone gives you a set of instructions, how well are you at following those, okay? I would consider myself a pretty good instruction follower. Like I like to be, uh, I like to be the leader, but if somebody else is leading, I can follow instructions pretty good, except when it's first thing in the morning. And here's the deal. In my household, my wife is far more spiritual than I am, will follow the biblical pattern and get up early to be with God and to be in his presence and to worship and to hear from God while I sleep. And she will have this devotional time from God and she hears from the Holy Spirit. But in the midst of that, by the time I get up, she has heard from God for me. She has everything planned for the day as far as for which kids got to go where and who's picking up and what sports we have and what's happening and who's got to take what to school and she will oftentimes try and bombard me while I am making my way from the bed to find the pot of coffee and I'm like babe I cannot hear a word that you are saying to me right now because I have not fully woken up right good instructions I can't hear it we're gonna pick it up this morning in a passage in the book of Mark where Jesus gives some very specific instructions to his disciples and it's, it's the perfect time to do it. As we pick up from last week, Jesus has been raised from the dead. Jesus, in a resurrected state, has spent 40 days on the earth proving to the disciples that he really did raise from the dead, proving that he was the Messiah, proving that he was the Christ, encouraging them, pulling them out of their discouragement, pulling them out of their lack of faith, and then fueling them again. And right near the end of that time with them, he gives them this set of instructions, which is the same instructions that God would give to us this morning. So pick it up, Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. And if you have been in church for any number of years, the tendency right now as we begin to read what we would call the Great Commission is to automatically just count yourself out. This is a message for my neighbor. This is a message for somebody else across the room. It's a passage that you know. It's a passage that you might have memorized. But the question we should be asking that I am asking myself this morning is, is this a passage that I'm actually applying and living? To not just be a hearer of the word, to not just know what to do, but am I actually living it out? Great question, Pastor Trevor. Thank you for asking that. You're welcome. Verse 15. He said to them, go into all the worlds 
and preach the gospel to all creation. And whoever believes and is baptized, he'll be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. So go and preach. And as you preach, here's what's going to happen. In my name, you're going to drive out demons. You're going to speak in new tongues. You're going to pick up snakes with your hands and drink deadly poison. It won't hurt you at all. You'll place your hands on sick people and they will get well. Verse 19, after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up to heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Verse 20, I love it. Then the disciples, they went out and they preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Jesus is saying in this moment, listen, I truly lived the life that God had called me to live on your behalf. I died in your place. I have been raised from the dead. I came to show you the love of the Father. I came to reconcile a fallen humanity, a sinful humanity. I came to reconcile them back to my Father. And you have received the message. And I pulled you guys out from your darkness. And I pulled you out from your own graves. And now I'm telling you this. This is the baton pass. This is the point where, where, where the next leg of the story unfolds. The next chapters of history will be written and you are now called to carry the same message that I had and you're called to carry it to the world. Hit pause and we're gonna go dive into the book of Ezekiel chapter 37 and we'll revisit this passage we just read in a little bit. Ezekiel's a prophet. Ezekiel has this amazing vision from God and God is speaking to him through the vision. And so this is the vision. Verse one, the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and he set me in the middle of a valley and the valley was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, back and forth and back and forth. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. Here comes the question. He asked me, son of man, can these bones that you see with your eyes, can these dead, dry bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. A very safe answer. Verse four, then he said to me, prophesy or speak, prophesy to the bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life and I will attach tendons to you and I will make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin and I will put breath in you and you will come to life and then you will know that I am the Lord. This is a good vision. And verse seven, so I prophesied as I was commanded and as I was prophesying, as I took a step of obedience, as my voice was being released, as I was prophesying, there was a noise, there was a rattling sound and the bones that he had seen, the bones began to come together bone to bone. And I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath yet in them. Then he said to me, 
prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them and they came to life and they stood up on their feet, a vast army. Like what a powerful picture. As I prophesied, breath came in them and they stood up to their feet, this vast army in front of me. Verse 11, he said, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel, your people, your nation, your neighbors, your coworkers, your fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters and friends, all the people that you see every single day, this vision, these bones, these bones are where you live. This is the condition and this is the state spiritually of the world in which you live, Ezekiel. These are your people. And they say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone and we're cut off. But prophesy to them, say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm gonna open your graves. Come on, we just celebrated last week, Jesus opened his own grave. Jesus opened his own grave. Jesus went and found the disciples and pulled them out of their own graves of unbelief. And now he's saying, listen, you've got a message to go and pull other people out of their graves. Ezekiel, come on, tell them I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull you up out of your graves. I'm gonna bring you up from them and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you will be my people. You will know that I am the Lord. I will open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you. You will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. Amen. What a prophetic picture. He set me in the middle of a valley of bones and he took me back and forth and back and forth, all over, back and forth, back and forth. Why? Ezekiel, I want you to see their number. I want you to be overwhelmed by how many they are. As far as the eye can see to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west, I, I need you to see how many, how numerous they are. I need you to see their condition. I want you to focus in. I want you to think about the bones. I want you to focus on the bones. I want to open your eyes to see what you don't see and to understand what you don't understand. I want you to see their condition. He said the bones were very dry. They had been in this condition for a long while. This was, this was something that had been established and had lasted for a long time. And he's opening his eyes and he's saying, you see bones, but this is, this is the generation in which you live. This is it. And, 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 and the people that you interact with, they wear the mask and they wear the facade and they have their Instagram post and their Facebook post and they, they, they make it look like they've got it all together. But Ezekiel, listen, this are your people. This is what your generation right now looks like. Take it in, back and forth and back and forth. I remember for the first time standing in Arlington, National Cemetery in Washington, D.C. And I remember standing in the middle of that cemetery and as far as I could see in this direction and as far as I could turn around and see in this direction and over to this way and over to that way, just all of these little white tombstones in all directions, hundreds and thousands and thousands upon them. And I remember feeling that, that overwhelming sense of sacrifice. 
and realizing that in every direction there's nothing but death. This is what he's doing with Ezekiel. I want you to see them. And it didn't personify for me until I began to read a few tombstones. It was overwhelming, but it was this idea of a mass group of people. But as I began to go up to a tombstone and, and read the name and read the rank and, and, and read how long they had lived, something personalized for me. I would read that tombstone. I would think to myself, that's a son. That's a daughter. That's a husband. That's a father. That's a mom. That's somebody that God knew before they were conceived in their mother's womb. That's somebody that had dreams. That's somebody that had vision. That's somebody who, who wanted to live a long life and raise a family and maybe write a book or a song or, or, or go, go travel to Europe. I mean, they had hopes and they had dreams and they had visions. And I, read, I would read one and I'd read another one and it would, it would sink in the personification of what was represented there. Ezekiel, I need you to see these are not just bones. These are your people. These are the people that you rub shoulders with every single day. And I don't just want you to see it. I want to provoke something inside of you. I want you to see it and I want, I want to conjure up some emotion. Come on, what do you feel? You feel angry? Good. Feel angry. You feel frustrated? Good. You feel overwhelmed? You feel sorrowful? You feel sick? You feel like you want to barf? What do you feel? You feel compassion? He's trying to stir up the prophet. I need you to see like I see. And I need you to feel like I feel. And here's the kicker. For every single one of us, we have like Ezekiel, we have all been planted in a valley of dry bones. Our generation is living without hope in Jesus. And we might see their painted up faces and, and them putting their best foot forward that everything's all together. But God's like, I want you to see their pain. I want you to see their depression and their fear and their addiction. And I want you to see the funk that they're in. And I want you to see their suicidal thoughts. I want you to see them cutting. I want you to see them medicating. I want you to see their marriages falling apart. I want you to see them crying out saying, like, what's the purpose to even life? I want you to see it. And I want you to feel it. Because the reality is this, you and I rub shoulders with the world in which we live every single day. And if I'm honest, I don't see them and I don't feel for them. A lot of times I rub shoulders and I don't see the bones. I don't see the hopelessness and the lifelessness. Why? Because I'm so self-centered in my own self. But God met me. God met this pile of bones. God resurrected me. God put me back into alignment. God awakened me. God gave his breath inside of me. And it's when we remember the testimony that we begin to say, wait a second. What about the generation that we live in? Where you work, there are bones. Where you go to school, the halls are riddled with dead bones. And the lie that people live by in the world without Jesus is they overcompensate trying to look like everything's great in their world and it's not. That's the lie that we believe. It's not. They are desperate for something real. They are desperate for hope. They're desperate for, for a message that would bring life inside of them. Can these bones live? See, when God asks us a question, God is not looking to be enlightened. 
God's not looking for some information that somehow we have that he doesn't have. Hey, Trevor, I wanna ask you a question so that you can help me as the one who knows all and sees all and is before all and is actually self-existent. He's not, when he asks a question, it's not, for my, it's not for his benefit, it's for my benefit. He asked the question because he's trying to show me something. He's asking the question because he's wanting you and I to reconcile inside of us. Ezekiel, what do you think? With based on what you see, can the bones live? The question causes him to face the human impossibility of it. He asked the question and now he has to reconcile it. This is overwhelming. This is crazy. And everything inside of me says, no way, Jose. There's no way this can shift. There's no way this can change. But Ezekiel's a pretty smart man. And he says, ah, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone, you alone know the safe answer. Can you imagine if we just tried to take that phrase and use it in other areas of life? Like mom makes dinner for everybody in the family and then asks, you know, the kids, hey, did you like the new meal I cooked for you? Can you imagine the response from the kids? Mom, you alone know. I mean, we've all been talking over here. You alone know whether this was good. These jeans look good on me, hon. Babe, you alone know. (laughs) See, it doesn't work everywhere, but it worked here. You alone know. And God's like, absolutely. My heart is that the bones would live. And this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a representative in the earth. I'm looking for a voice. All I need is a man or a woman. All I need is a voice. And anytime God wants to move in the earth, he will always look for a voice. He'll always look for a human representative who will be his words to the earth. And that's what he's looking for. He's like, Ezekiel, all I need is your voice because when you speak on my behalf, your voice will begin to awaken the bones. Your voice will begin to to see movement where there was no movement. Your voice will create shaking. Your voice will cause them to come alive. Your voice will quicken them and cause them to stand up on their feet. Your voice will release a breath inside of them, my breath of life. Ezekiel, I want your your voice. And so he prophesied. And it says, as I was prophesying, there was a sound, there was a rattling, there was a rumbling. Imagine the scene. I mean, we, this valley, how many miles was it in all the directions? And all of a sudden it gets crazy. All the bones are flying all over the place. There's this noise like an earthquake and bones are coming to bone. All of these human piles of bones are all coming together and coming into alignment. And there's sinews and there's tendons and there's flesh coming all over them. See it. As I prophesied, as I was obedient with the voice that God had given me, it began to produce something in the generation in which he lives. And then he said, prophesy to the breath, and the breath came up inside of them. Which brings us to the scripture that we read at the very beginning. Jesus said, what the earth needs is it needs the gospel message. It needs a message that can reach them in their deadness. It needs a message that can give them hope. It needs a message that can bring them back from the dead. I was the first fruits that came back from the dead to testify that everybody who believes in me can also come back from the dead. God is looking for your voice. God is looking for my voice. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 to 15 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
Here come the questions. How then can they call on the one in whom they have not believed? Well, they can't. How can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? Well, they can't. And how can they hear unless someone preaches to them? Well, they can't. And how can they preach unless they're sent? They can't. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Where the gospel is not preached, lives are not changed. Nothing happens. Things remain the same. But when the gospel is preached, it gives opportunity for those to hear and gives opportunity for those who hear to believe. It's the rattling, it's the shaking. It's, it's the way that Jesus intended it. Jesus comes to his faithful disciples that are representative of you and me. And he says, listen, this is the great commission for all people who come encounter with me, for every single person who follows me. It's that you would have received my life and that it's you would carry that life message to the generation around you because they don't have opportunity to receive what you and I have received unless they hear the message. But here's where we make all types of accommodations for ourselves. And we say, well, it's for the evangelists to preach. It's for the, the outgoer, outgoing personalities to preach. I'm not really good with my words. See, when Jesus commissioned his disciples, it was the great commission. It was not the great suggestion. Hey guys, if you could sort of fit it into your schedule sometime in your busy lives, you know, with all of your fishing and all of your, uh, you know, building your house and, and doing all the things and trying to build your own popularity and write a book and do all that. So if you could somehow fit it in there somewhere, I would really appreciate it. Perhaps, maybe, possibly if you could there was none of that first things first he said if you've encountered me then you are the point of encounter for somebody else notice the stark contrast in the vision there is one man standing in the midst of bones there is only one man alive and death all around him. There is only one man who's awakened and death all around him. There's only one man who has relationship with God and death all around him. There's only one man with a voice and death all around him. And God said, that's all I need. I need one man. I need a voice. And if you who are awakened will begin to awaken a generation. And my friends, it is not comfortable. But the reality is this. Every single one of us in this room, every single person listening online, the call of God on every single one of our lives, the responsibility of God, the duty, if you will, of God for every one of us is to carry the gospel to the world. And that's a difficult message but it's one we have to embrace if we're gonna be in the will of God. It's one that we have to be willing to do. Somebody else won't. We think that somebody else will tell them. We have, we have the freedom that the world is looking for. We have everything that the world has tried to duplicate but can't fill. We have it. We have hope. We have life. We have peace. We have forgiveness. We have relationship with God. And we cannot and should not be silent anymore. God is like, I want your voice. 
I want your voice. I want, I want a generation, a whole generation, a whole church. No matter your age, if you're young, if you're old, if you're brand new to Jesus, doesn't matter. Because guess what? You have a story. You have a testimony. And it's the easiest way to tell the world about Jesus. Let me tell you about what Jesus did for me. Let me tell you how he dealt with my addiction. Let me tell you how he healed my marriage. Let me tell you how I was suicidal and even had attempted to kill myself. But God gave me purpose. Let me read to you this quote by Bill Hybels. It's convicting. Kind of click your seatbelt. He says, so can we just come out and say it? Far too many Christians have been anesthetized into thinking that if they simply live out their faith in an open and a consistent fashion, that the people around them will see it, want it, and somehow figure out how to get it for themselves. Let's be honest. We sort of felt that. If I just kind of live Jesus the world will suddenly have their own eureka moment and put their faith and trust in Jesus by how good I live my life. Or they reason that maybe these people will come and they'll ask them what makes their life so special. And when they do, they'll seize the opportunity and explain it to them. But let's be honest, that almost never happens. It does happen, but... The common occurrence is not that people come to us to ask. The common occurrence is supposed to be that we would go to people. Jesus stepped out of his world and came into our world. Paul said, to the Jew, I'm a Jew. To the Gentile, I'm a Gentile. I'll become anything to all men, anywhere, however I can, to reach as many people with the gospel as possible. It's where we step out of our world and into somebody's world. It's where we move to them. It's where we meet them in their pain and in their need and where we serve them and where we love them and where we share our story with them and where we enter the gospel message so that they have something to believe upon. He goes on, well, it's a prerequisite to live a salty Christian life. I like that. That alone is not enough. God forbid we stop there. Because people end up in hell on that plan. It's imperative that we also put the message into a clear language our friends can understand and act upon. How can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? It's Jesus. It's Jesus, one way to God, one way to the Father. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. Not many ways, not many gods, not many paths. One way through Jesus, through the life he lived and the death he died and the, the resurrection that he had from the dead. This is the life that has changed mine and this is the life that through me will change somebody else's. Would we allow God to open our eyes in a fresh way to see what we have not seen and to feel what we have not felt? Would we pray a dangerous prayer like that? Like God, open my, let me see what you see. And God will answer that. God will haunt you with their eyes, with their faces, with their stories. God, let me feel what you feel. Prepare yourself. Grab the napkins because I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the, my burden for the world. I came to seek and save that which was lost. This was the main message. It's always been the main message. We are not here to just gather together as believers. That is a part of the call. The other part is that we go. 
Listen to me, invite people to church and do it boldly. Invite people to life group and do it boldly. But that should never ever replace mine and your personal responsibility to share the gospel with people in everyday life. It should be a common occurrence, friends, that you're leading someone to the Lord at school and at work and at the mall and in your backyard when you're doing barbecue, doing life with people. And we bring them saying, let me introduce you to my new friend who found Jesus this week when we were having steak at my house. When we carry the message, what would happen? What would happen if everybody in this room over the next year believed for one soul? One soul and we led him to the Lord. And what happens if the following year, then everybody believed for one more soul? And we began to do that every single year for 10 years. And imagine what would happen if not just this believing church, but every believing church in our city began to do that. And every believer began to do that. I don't know if I said this in this service or if it was first service, but when, when they started preaching the gospel, within two years, the gospel reached the whole province of Asia. Within 30 years, the whole Roman Empire had been infected with the gospel because these guys were furiously obeying Jesus to go into all the world. And within 300 years of the resurrection, the Roman Empire that killed and crucified Jesus was predominantly Christian. It's the most dangerous, in a good way, message that the world has known. It changes individuals, it changes families, it changes people groups, it changes nations. And we are living in the time of history of the greatest harvest of souls that are meant to be brought into the kingdom of God. And if we would all do our little part, think about it, it's, it's not all on you, but just go after the one, go after the two. You've got relationship with people I don't. I've got relationship with people you don't. And if we don't have any unsafe relationships, it's not too hard to engage in a conversation with the people we bump into every single day. And maybe not the first time you're through the line, but maybe the fifth time you're through the line because you keep going back to that, that same teller and you've heard her story and you've asked about things and you've been praying for things and there's opportunity. See what I'm saying? This is the responsibility. This is the great commission. Jesus says, I did what I did, now you go. Tag, you're it. Charles Finney said this. He said, young converts, and we, should, we could say converts, all converts, should be trained to labor for Christ as carefully as young recruits in an army are trained for war. The plan is to train a body of devoted Christians. That's us who know how to pray. Come on, you need to know how to pray. I need to know how to pray. How to converse with people about their souls. We need to know how to do that, to talk to people about their souls, how to attend anxious meetings and how to deal with inquirers and how to save souls. When the day comes, check it, that the whole church, that's us, when the whole church will realize that they are here on earth as a body of missionaries, and shall live and labor accordingly, then will the day of man's redemption draw nigh. We actually can usher in the second coming of Christ in a generation if we would faithfully go after the harvest, if we would faithfully go into all the world. And sometimes all the world doesn't mean leaving Spokane. It just means the world in which you live where you already place your feet every single day. Would you stand to your feet with me? I want to read this, and then we want to go into a response. 
Romans 1, 16 to 17, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. We're not ashamed of this gospel. Why? Because it saved our souls. We're not ashamed because it gave us life. We're not ashamed because it gave us hope. We're not ashamed because it delivered us. It healed us. It freed us. It gave us purpose. It gave us identity. It gave us hope. It gave us peace. I'm not ashamed of this gospel. This gospel is awesome. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. There it is. When Jesus is preached, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that's by faith from first to last. As it's written, the righteous will live by faith. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. This morning, more than being inspired, my desire is that for myself and for yourself, that we would hear what God is saying to us and feel the weight and the responsibility of that. And that I and that you would say, you know what, God, I'm all in. I'm all in. Where I haven't been all in, I'm all in. Where I haven't been preaching the gospel, I'm gonna preach the gospel. Where I've been just concerned about myself, I'm gonna be concerned about the world. I'm gonna pray that you open my eyes. I'm gonna pray that you open up my heart. I'm gonna pray that that you give me opportunity. And I am willing, I am willing, God, to go into all the world and do what you've called me to do. And we're gonna go into this song this morning that is really it's, it's really, a, a, it's a prayer that we would pray. And if you don't know the words, you just sing them along and put your faith attached to it. It's a declaration. It's a, it's a saying in our hearts that, that God, we are willing to do what you've called us to do. We are willing to be your voice that would cry out in the midst of a broken and dying world. We are willing to show Jesus to the world. So if this song is new for you, just follow the words and let it come up out of you like a prayer. Let it come up out of you like an anthem. Let it come up out of you like this. This morning is my yes. And when I walk out those doors, we're gonna be different in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Yeah. 
your heart, your hand over your heart. And come on, use your own words. Let's just lift up our own confession to the Lord right now. Let's lift our voices. God, we are saying yes to you. Come on, lift your voice. God, we are saying yes to you. Come on, if you can't lift your voice in church with a bunch of other Christians, it's gonna be really hard to lift our voice in a generation that doesn't believe or think like us. Come on, God, we are saying yes to you. We are saying yes. God, we are responding in faith. We are saying, God, would you give us boldness? We are asking, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us with boldness and with power to carry the message of Jesus. We are asking that you would touch our eyes, that we would see like you see. We are asking that you would touch our hearts to feel like you feel. God, we are asking that you would give us the ability to obey your word. God, we are all in this morning. We're all in. We're saying in a fresh and a new way, God, we will go. We will go to our workplace. We will go to the mall. We will go to the parks. We will go to in our high schools. God, we will go in our family gatherings. God, we will, we're willing to be a voice. We're willing to be those who would, who would boldly shine the light and the life of Jesus, both in the way that we live, but in the power of our testimony and in the power of the gospel. So God, we say we're ready to go. We're ready to do it. We're asking for opportunities this week. And God, in Jesus' name, we go all in. Feel that? We go all in. It doesn't matter where we've been coming in this morning. We're going all in. We're, we're walking out of these doors something fresh, something new. We're going to live different because that same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of us.